Hey guys, it's Arielle from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. I think it was just knowing that I didn't ever, I mean, because Enterprise was much longer period of time. And so it was just kind of like when I left there, that was more like, wow, I mean, I was fully vested retirement wise and different things when they actually like you would get a 400%, I mean, a 400%, 100% of your 401k. Whereas with Wells Fargo, I hadn't gotten that far. And so I think it was just like, I already knew I wanted not to have this job and they transferred me. And of course, I'm making good money. So it's like, it was more just like, oh my God, I'm about to walk away from this, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm just going to figure it out because yeah. I just, I knew that corporate was not where I ever wanted to be. And even though I wanted to be a lawyer at one point, I definitely by now have come to the realization that I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. And mm -hmm. so I was just like, yeah. And there is no amount of money you could pay me to go back. Ooh, like, that's strong. There's no amount of money. Yeah, I had a friend who, uh, anyway, a long long story but i won't tell that part but he just basically got an offer for a job and he was like they're gonna pay me like i think it was ninety thousand dollars something crazy at a job this is and 2021 this is not 2020 okay this is a couple years ago okay and gotcha. he was saying ninety thousand, and i was like that's that's um that's still not enough man and he was yeah. like what i was like there's no amount of money i'm telling you if you they can pay you but you you have to like the job it's not yeah. the money you have to like the job. Absolutely. And so he ended up taking the job because he's like, but it's this much money. And, you know, I was like, yeah, you got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah. Took the job. And then, you know, a, a year like later, it. he was back in where he was when I was talking to him because he was like, yeah, I didn't like it. And I'm like, exactly. Yeah. It's not about the money. It just, it always comes down to that. I call, <laughs> this is probably not what I should say to people here on your podcast, but I call it legalized slavery because it's like they're leasing your talent. Yeah right for a fraction of what it's worth and you know in the book we read in the morning meetup when that guy was bringing in how much money was he bringing in something some millions of dollars and they were only paying him like seventy thousand dollars it was something I can't crazy. which book was that it was um was that a story in what was the book we read before um the one thing it wasn't wasn't it Tom McCabot's was it in Atomic Habits? Atomic Habits. Oh, when, okay, so when he was a beach bomb, you're talking about no, the beach No, no, not the, not Slight Edge. The guy who mm. was, uh, uh, working for the brokerage firm and he was, he made only a little bit for bringing in all this money. But anyway, it doesn't matter. The scenario, I, it rings a bell. Yeah. I'm like, it's just, that's yeah, the so reality. Many books, <laughs> but yeah. But that, when I heard that, I was like, that's what I'm talking about. You yeah. work your butt off. You make the company millions of dollars. Yeah. And they pay you a fraction of it. Yeah. And understand, and maybe you wouldn't have their Rolodex. You wouldn't have this. You wouldn't have that. But I was like, if you could do that for them, you can do it for you. Absolutely. Well, I think <laughs> we should certainly get into the mindset yeah. of that shift because I think it's important. No matter why you leave. Yeah. That legalized labor, I actually really do resonate with that. But, you know. Your reality of whatever your situation is, just be clear that you are working and then you're making the money a substantial amount of change. Yeah. I think those realities are important. Oh, yeah, for sure. But um, in this case, we're talking about you yeah. and your realization. So your mindset is, I will figure it out yeah. in acting. And you, at that time, I know you just said you'll never go back to entrepreneur. You'll never go back to, to corporate. Corporate, corporate. Yeah. Was your mindset there? Oh, yeah, when you sure. left? When I okay. left. When I left Wells Fargo, I mean... You say that, but you know, uh, I think 
the words never and always make you a liar every time. And so, no, I've never worked back in corporate. But when I said it, I meant it. But did I know if that was going to be true? You know, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I can't take a pause real quick because the words never and always make you a liar. And <laughs> every time, yeah. I mean, like, thank you so much <laughs> for dropping that. I'm going to replay that and take a note. Okay. Um, so was acting your plan A and did you have a plan B? So acting was, uh, I think I was still, I mean, I had just gotten into it. So, you know, I don't know. And, and I never really, I'm going to be honest and say, I didn't think I was that good. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I was entertaining by far i mean that i was doing practically like stand up and entertaining my customers when they were waiting for cars and (laughs) that was what i had been doing throughout my career because i've always been a person who is very um i like to use humor i love to make you know i love to entertain and to you know be sort of like yeah look at me you know what was your acting space uh what do you mean what was my acting space oh i've done stand up i've done i mean i did i took acting classes here i went on some auditions commercial I went on a few theatrical. Theatrical, the difference between a commercial and theatrical, obviously, is commercials for commercials. Theatricals for TV shows and movies. I didn't go on any movies unless they were short films. Okay. I did some, th- I did some theatrical, very minimal, because it also helps to get like the real TV shows when you have an agent and certain things. But I mean, it's not impossible. I'm not going to make excuses. I honestly, when I got into the room, I just, I was always somebody who was entertaining people off of me and not off of someone else's words or whatever. And when I was a kid, I did live theater. Like I was entertaining a live audience. When you go into an audition room, it's you and somebody with a camera like this. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting maybe over to the left. And, you know, you have to say, Slate, hi, my name's Bryn Drescher and I'm this and I'm that. And then it's like, okay, we'll say the line and it'll be like one line. And then it's like, okay, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, okay. And then that's it. You might get a redirect. Could you try it one more time this way? You know, but it, you, you don't always get that. And so sometimes okay. you spend all that time waiting outside and they'll have five people come in and they'll say, okay, everybody, we're just going to explain to you how this is going to go. And then we'll call you in one at a time. And you're in there, you're in the room for maybe five minutes. And then that's it. Oh my and goodness. so I was always better in the car than I was in the room because I was so nervous about getting it right or wanting to do it perfectly that sometimes I just felt like I, I just couldn't, I didn't know how to like, you know, and this is, I'm sure this is not uncommon amongst new actors. And had I stayed the course, who knows? But I think after a while and going through some of the adversity that actors face, I was like, you know, (laughs) this isn't booking me or paying me the bills per se. I mean, I booked little things here and there. Nothing you would have seen. Don't look for me. Um, (laughs) Googling. Yeah. 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 Anyway. um, And then I just, I just ultimately was like, yeah, I think. And then I took a stand-up comedy class. And then there's this interesting foray into a multi-level marketing company and they had a training in uh, Texas and I went and there was a speaker there, a motivational speaker and he did all these characters and he was like entertaining all these people, but he was being himself, you know, okay. and doing whatever. And I'm, you know, I'm sure he had scripted out the lines and whatnot, but they weren't written for him. And when I saw that, I was like, that's what I want to do. 
not necessarily work for a multi-level marketing company, in the <laughs> but what he was doing, mm-hmm. like edutainment, I was like, that's me. Edutainment. So, yeah. Did you make that up? No, no, no. Other oh. people use it. Okay, yeah. that's nice. I, 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 th- I don't think it's mine. I mean, I've said it before, but I don't think it's mine. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Okay, so you realize, okay, so... That's what I want to follow that thought. Yeah, sorry. So let's. I'm going I, I, all over the place no, no, no. I do want to follow that thought. It's so interesting. There's two things, and I'll say them, and then if okay, we yeah. go back to both, then that's good. But you grew up kind of in corporate, mm-hmm. and you've always you always had this thing that told you you wanted to be an actor, actress, and you when you finally got your shot, you went for it, and you went for it 100 percent for a time. And I can only imagine what it feels like to go from corporate, making the salary you were making, having the control you were make you <laughs> yeah. had, to being in a room where all you had to do was say a line. Yeah. So I'm curious what that had, what, like, what type of hit did your self esteem take? Um, I will say this is a, probably something you'll be shocked by, but I felt wealthier as not a corporate person than I did as a corporate. What? Person. <laughs> okay, please help me understand. So. That. It, now, granted, the money was not the same. <laughs> I want to be clear about that. Well, I was definitely right. close to six figures. I never got to six figures um, in the corporate space. I was close. But what it was is you live differently when you make more money. You spend more when you make more. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I had a house. I had a mortgage. I had all these things. And, you know, and so when I was in this free world of being an actor slash, you know, bootstrap entrepreneur, if you want to call it, where I'm just like looking for jobs to it because I got to pay my rent. You yeah, know? yeah. It was, it just felt more freeing. It felt like more liberating. And so, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of interesting because when I stopped being an athlete, a lot of athletes go through a loss of identity. When I stopped working in corporate, I just don't think I ever had my identity wrapped up in either, although I think it's because I've always been a very confident, extroverted person. Mm. And so maybe I was attached to that. So if there was ever a time I couldn't be that, like staying behind a computer all day or whatever, those are the times I was like, this is not for me. Oh, But not, if I had an opportunity to interact with the public or be, you know, a bit of myself, then I was cool. Okay. I like that. I, I think that is really good to know. And it makes sense um, of why you might even you might have even had to go out and and try acting in order for you to re- realize, okay, this is this is what it was that I needed to look at. So yeah. now we're here. Right. I'm glad I didn't forget. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I could use so many places. Like, keep me on track. No, I love it. <laughs> so now you are at this um, MLM um, motivational speaking session, and this man is educating. Edutaining. Edutaining mm-hmm. you. Right. And you said, aha. Yeah. So where did that aha take you? So uh, I I found, I, oh, so there was a book I was reading at the time. Um, I was reading uh, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. It's by a guy named T. Harvecker. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in the book, which by the way, the book was his lead magnet. Okay. Knowing mm. this now, not then, but now I was like, you know, into the like, funnel. Right, so I'm like reading this book and there's other people, you know, and if you'll find in the MLO world and personal development world, they very much overlap. So a lot of people already knew about, and actually somebody from the MLM is the one who gave me the book. Okay. So I'm reading it because I'm just, you know, like killing time between sessions or whatever. And I was just fascinated by this book. And then it says in there, he's got this three-day mastermind weekend called Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. 
weekend, but it's like $2,500, some crazy price. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to go, but like, you know, it's so expensive and whatever. I don't know. And somebody's like, well, actually I think he's having one in LA. And it turns out that you don't pay that. You actually, so it's like, the value is twenty five hundred, but it's actually less. <laughs> yeah, right, all the stuff that I know now. But anyway, so it was like the next weekend, and um, it was like ninety seven bucks for three days of like. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be there, and so I went. And they sell you into this thing called Quantum Leap, which ended up being way more expensive than the twenty five hundred dollars that I was talking about previously. But I just made it work, and. Um, they had a program called Train the Trainer. And Train the Trainer was teaching you how to be a speaker on the stage and how to like okay. do all the things. And they had Train the Trainer 1 and Train the Trainer 2. And it was just like a boot camp for speakers and how to like really like be a facilitator and lead from the stage. And so I learned all that. And thank you so much for watching the Work and Play podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Boss Up Conference, which is a community for entrepreneurs, CEOs, celebrities, and corporate executives to come together, network, and solve some problems. Thank y'all so much for being supporters of the Work and Play podcast, and thank you for watching the Work and Play podcast and all the episodes before. Now let's get back to the episode. I think I just, it was just like, this is what I've always wanted to do, be up in front of people, educate and in, inspire because even before I had moved, I had gotten into the secret and the mindset stuff and it had just started. The secret, I call it like training wheels, like for <laughs> like opening your mind to stuff mm -hmm. because I think the secret is definitely expansive and I know a lot of critics talk about it in a way like, oh, you're supposed to think positive. I'm like, they didn't say that in the secret, but whatever. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh yeah, they said just sit there and it'll happen. I'm like, well, that's not what they said, but it's okay. It doesn't matter. But it is like just the tip of the iceberg. And so I had just gotten into that. And then T. Harbeckers, my year with him, basically, not him personally, but his training company um, was just amazing. I took leadership stuff. I did a whole bunch of stuff. And that kind of started me on this like hunger for personal development. Wow. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I got into that. And that helped me with my leadership skills because they had a leadership camp and you had to basically take turns being leaders throughout the camp and definitely a lot of um, bristling up against yourself as well as other people and different leadership styles and, you know, and ultimately what you learn is you're just wrestling with you, but you think it's the other person, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Until you you've become a, a mental performance coach and you realize you create your well, own. <laughs> before I became a mental performance coach, but not quite as in-depth as I do now, for sure. That's cool. Okay. So um, you realized that's what you wanted to do. You learned a lot of stuff. Yeah. At what point did, did you decide, you know, where? what was the next transition from acting to next? What yeah. So I did a, a, I just ended up like, you know, money becomes like the thing, like, how am I going to make money? You know, so a little bit of a focus and I kind of did some odd jobs. I was doing virtual assistant for someone here mm -hmm. and doing social media management for someone there. And then mm -hmm. ultimately, um, you know, I gotten into Periscope, did a bunch of live videos. I mean, these are not all in exact succession, but, and I'd done life coaching and mm -hmm. different things here and there, but I didn't have anything like nailed down. Like who was I serving? It was just like, I just wanted to help people. And mm -hmm. um, so once I did the social media management at the higher level and was getting paid a good amount of money to do it, like per contract, I'm not saying I did it for a long time. Um, I just realized that I wasn't the person that was supposed to be doing this. Like I, I had a good vision and I can definitely give somebody their social media plan. But when 
what I realized is the people that wanted to pay for what I wanted to charge wanted me to do it. Yeah. They didn't want the plan. They yeah. wanted the person that was going <laughs> to do the plan. And so they could set it and forget it. And I was like, I don't want to do that. My okay. personality is not meant to be sitting here and doing SEO and um, all that stuff. So, and that search engine optimization Absolutely. for those that don't know, I know you know. Um, so anyway, long story short, I um, I don't, I, I wish, I'm, I'm tr- I cannot remember the situation where I was like, I should do stuff for athletes. And it could have been someone else's suggestion, like, hey, you worked, you're an athlete, maybe the athletes would be a good j- way to go. I don't know. But I I guess I found out about something that was happening or I was looking up something like, where do coaches go? Maybe I should work with sports coaches or something like that. And I went to a basketball coaches clinic and um, and I was just like, okay. And I was just like, hey, I'm, I, I'm a mindset. I don't even know if I was using mental performance coach because I don't know if I knew it at that time. But I was like, basically, I work with, I call it mental conditioning. So like I work, I work with athletes on their mental game and um I just, no, no one was there looking for me because they were there to get better as coaches. Mm-hmm. But I talked to them and I got one coach that said, yeah, I'll give you a shot. Well, I developed a relationship that eventually turned into her giving me a shot with her um, team. And then I just expanded it from there and found out that I love this. Like I'm, and I'm really good at it. And I was just doing what I knew. And then eventually pandemic, the pandemic uh, forced me to actually start to formalize my teaching. And so oh, really okay. think, even though I've been doing it for a while, I hadn't really like put it into a system. That makes I sense. was just like, whatever I had for them, that's what I was teaching them. And, you know, and then I was like, well, what if I, you know, took all these steps that I've been teaching and put it in a process. And so that's what happened. Okay. So I think that is definitely really, really important. And and I'm curious that one thing that led, there's one thing that I'm curious about that led to where we are today, which is that one relationship. And you might not remember how that relationship developed, but. Oh, the coach that gave me the shot? Yeah. Oh, it um, was just, um, her name's Dana and uh, she was just at the clinic. She was really nice. And we, you know, you go to different you know, like when you go to conferences, they have breakout sessions or whatever. And we were just in the same room together. And, you know, you do networking, you find out and like, oh, what do you do? What do you do? And I'm yeah. like, well, actually, I do this. And I'm actually, you know, this is what I want to teach. And she's like, oh, that's so important, you know. Okay. And I talked to plenty of coaches that were like, oh, yeah, for sure. Call me. Like, let's get in touch or whatever. But um, we just really hit it off like energetically. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, and she was, I guess, going to make a move from the place she was at. And so when she made the move to start her own league, that's when she gave me, she was like, I want to have this as part of my program. And so, and it's so wonderful to have a coach that like wants to embed that into the program versus like, hey, we'll send them if they need it. But mm-hmm. it was like, that was, we had a mandatory day where they, we were dedicated to that practice. So that was yeah. awesome. Mm, I was going to ask which, which Bryn caught her attention. Like, was it that, did you guys, the conversation on acting? No, no. I mean, I don't, I I don't mention the acting thing very often. Um, I mean, I think if you see me enough and you see me at a party, sometimes it feels like I'm holding court because, um, some people say, well, like I'm entertaining or I'm holding the, but then I'm not really being like, I don't know. It's like feeling like I have to entertain, but not, I don't know, but I'm just being myself and I'm really good at, I think I've found that what made me good at with customer service as well as up until then was just that I can make great conversation with anybody. I can make, I think it's a skill that I got from my mom. My mom was just 
she could make anybody a friend. And I seem to have gotten that gene. And I'm, you know, my friend said the other day we were on a camping trip together and she was like, I've always admired just how you can like talk to anybody about anything. And for me, it's just like, it's another human being. Just have a conversation with them, you know? And so whatever, you know, if I know that you live in this area and I know the team that you might be, there was a girl on the trip that had a Duke hat on. And I was like, Oh really? You got to wear that around here? You know, cause I went to Michigan state. So Basketball-wise, we're kind of rivals. I mean, I'm not saying Duke would say we're in the same league as them, but Michigan State is pretty good in basketball. So it's just anything I can do to find that connection, I'm looking for it. And so we just had great conversations. And there was valuable things at the clinic, even though they were sometimes just about X's and O's, and I didn't really necessarily need that. But it's also good to see how coaches operate and Mm -hmm. what they're looking for. And so there was a lot of value in being there. But yeah, I don't I don't remember our specific conversations, but I do remember um just like her being like, Yeah, for sure. And then we just stayed in touch and in the end it turned out to be the one spot shot I needed. So. Yeah. I love that. And yeah. and I ask you that just because I think it's very energetic how you you net you net network. I yeah. think networking is so so um intimidating to some people and I try to break it down as much as I can for like anyone who's more like I just need to know like should I talk about the hat or whatever and sometimes people need that that step by step but it's great to hear you know even in that situation even though you don't have a specific how you can break it down and say that Duke hat is what allows you to get that in and so you allow energy to take you from there yep um so now you're getting your start as a mental performance coach and so you're getting the X's and O's, you're seeing everything. How did you get your start and where'd you get your footing? So, I mean, of course, you know, there's always those moments. Um, I think a lot of people, particularly high performing people that come from corporate know very familiar with the term imposter syndrome. And so you have those moments like, but the advantages that I didn't share with you is that I also work for a nonprofit in the youth space and have been speaking for years. And so <sighs> I, I didn't really need to I wasn't reinventing the wheel. I was just taking what I knew and using the application of sports. And so all these years of speaking on these topics and then just saying, oh, well, I can teach them this because this is the same stuff. But learning through the lens of sports, because sports is just a vehicle. Ultimately, we get into sport because we want to do something that we think is fun, that we want to excel in, that we want to develop friendships and social circles around and so many different reasons. And so similarly, I think the biggest game we all play is life. Mm -hmm. And so if I can teach somebody about like how to be their best selves in life, I can teach somebody using the lens of sport because I came from that world and I was using sports analogies anyway. So it's like, oh, this is perfect. Now they'll really understand (laughs) what I'm saying, you know? Uh, So because I, you know, basketball was my favorite sport. I only played two years in high school. I was not successful in basketball. Um, I was far more successful in track, but it worked out. You have to to understand. It's like to be a mental performance coach. You have to understand mentally and conceptually how the game works. Exactly. Not I physically. Don't, I don't need to know all the mechanics. That's right. In fact, I, sometimes I joke. I do hyperbole, and I make sure, like, yeah. So that's how it works, guys. Like you, like you hit it in the end zone, right? And they're like, what? And I'm like, I know it's called a basket, but I like to make it seem like I don't know what I'm talking about. So. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, and they're like, you know, coach, you know, but and yeah, you yeah, got it. You yeah. got it. <laughs> 
come from? You don't know anything about basketball. I'm like, I know plenty about basketball. I know about football. I know about, because my brother played football. I know about basketball. I, you know, I, I understand how the game works, but it's just a lot of fun to mess with them sometimes. I so. gotcha. So um, as a mental performance coach, and I keep saying it so that it can just stick to my, yeah. my mind. <laughs> just a title. I, I want to talk about that just really quickly. It sounds great, but I'm just somebody who works with the mental on the mindset of an athlete. And and yes, it is a the the end goal is to improve performance, but ultimately my end goal is to make them amazing people. I'm glad you said that because yeah. that's that's literally what my question. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask one the result of your athletes, right? But then from a global perspective, what's the what are the results of working with someone like you? Yeah, so it's really important to understand that, and and we talked about this a little bit in Atomic Habits when we talked about it in the morning meetup. But so it was a lot of resonance in that book for me and what I teach. But um, there's a level that you're. Well, there's other books, I guess it's not, but anyway, there's a level of performance that you leave on the table when you're not harnessing the fullness of your mental game. So the mind is directing everything in a, in a way, right? Coming from your own belief systems, your understanding, your interpretations of situations. The more that we are in our emotions, the lower our capability and cognitive ability to make decisions is impaired in that moment. So if I'm high emotion, I'm low on the, what is happening kind of moment. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's sort of will find a way to balance and take in the situation and be able to one enact a flow state, which we all know about the, the term flow state. Um, most of us engage in flow state unconsciously. Um, which means like there was a time in your life as probably plenty of times that you felt like you were quote unquote in flow. Mm -hmm. But if I told you, if I asked you, how'd you get there? You wouldn't necessarily know how to tell me that because you were usually it's when you're engaging in something that you are enjoying yeah. and like, you know, cause children find it very easy to find flow state, you know, but not necessarily to actively find flow state, but they're just like, yeah, this is fun. I'm going to go do that. Mm -hmm. As adults, we're trying to remember how to get there. Um, and so one is to help them be more actually fluid in the process and not so like, uh, I made a mistake, that type of stuff. So improving st mistake response, better decision making, taking better personal responsibility for self mm -hmm. and finding out a way to sort of put yourself in the driver's seat in your sport and become just a better teammate and a better, um, you know, be coachable. And um, because a lot of times, it, it's not that athletes don't want to do well because they do and nobody makes mistakes on purpose. Like this idea, like don't make mistakes. You shouldn't do that again. Like I mean, they're not trying to make a mistake. In fact, it is the very effort of trying to avoid a mistake that brings about the mistake. <laughs> so typically, like when we go back to the moment of me in the audition room, because I was trying so hard not to mess up, I was not in my flow state. I was in my head. I was overthinking. I wasn't in that place. Yeah. So when you go into something and you're like, okay, I've got this, you're able to be in a calm place to actually reveal, because I think it's more, and I think this is true for all personal development. I'm not adding on to you. I'm peeling away that which is hindering your awesome from occurring. Ooh, say that. Okay. <laughs> so that's the idea. Um, but, you know, how that manifests for each person. And, and and our goal in the program that I was working with with that particular coach was to make them great women as well as great athletes. It wasn't just to be great basketball players because ultimately there will be a post-sports life 
And the key is to make them ready for that in, in whatever capacity. And so sports gives you a lot of leadership, communication skills, interpersonal skills. There's a lot of advantages to sport. And I think a lot of athletes just kind of think that it's only like, hey, this works in sport, but it works everywhere. Mm. So. Uh, I'm remembering something that you mentioned on the morning meetup, actually. And even though you didn't mention it right now, it's the identity piece and (laughs) how like in your life, you've been able to make two large transitions, if not three. Yes, the nonprofit one, at least three that I know. Well, I still work with the nonprofit, but yeah, so I still work with them, but it's very like whenever they have work. So it's not, I'm not an employee, but I just work for them because I love the work that they do. Okay. Well, then two major transitions that Mm -hmm. I know of that you were able to leave with your identity, even though there were other personal development things that came with those transitions, it wasn't identity per se. Right. And I've heard you say, um, you know, like you want them to understand that they identify not just as an athlete, but know who they are because of that post-athlete phase. Right. And you're helping them get to that next step. Right. So well, it's kind of one of the other, I, I mean, one in the same, but it's not to help them only transition out of sport. Right. Because what happens is we confuse performance, you know, results with worth. So if I lose, then I'm bad. If I win, I'm good. Mm. And sometimes that's conditioned by the response of the people that are around me. So like, let's say you're my mom and when we have a good game, you're like, good job, honey. I'm so proud of you. And Mm -hmm. we have a bad game. You're like, what happened? Mm -hmm. Like, what happened? So as a, as a, you know, an athlete or a person, I'm internalizing good, good, bad, bad. So, so what ends up happening is, because athletes who transition to the highest levels of sport, they play that sport for so long. Yeah. I mean, we're talking sometimes from four years old all the way up to, you know, almost 40, you know. And I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's even, I don't know, actually don't doesn't matter, but he's <laughs> like beyond the years that most people would say you should stop, but he's performing still at a high level. It becomes then when I'm done with that sport for that day or for that period – because even in the off season or after a game, a lot of athletes have a hard time li- putting down the sport. Mm-hmm. And so the key is to teach them prior to that exit point yeah. that they are valuable and they are what makes the sport valuable. The sport doesn't make them valuable. Ooh. And that is, a, a, it's a seed planted. Mm-hmm. I can't say that it's like, yeah, I get it. But the earlier we can give that to them and get them to recognize that, we can improve mistake response. We can improve their ability to possibly take risks um, because the quicker they latch on to that idea that they're valuable regardless and they're just plugging into that sport, their awesomeness, then they see that, you know, when they unplug from the sport or take their uniform off, still valuable, not just valuable because of who, you know, you were on a court or on a field or whatever. Yeah. Or in corporate. Yeah. That, or right? in corporate. Because you had it, that brand all And of... this is universal. Yeah, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Because yeah. a lot of people like it's it happens right. If I'm no longer a boss, if I'm no longer a CEO or mm-hmm. I don't have my six figure salary. I mean, we are as humans tend to attach to what we do rather than what we are. And they're not linked like you were already awesome and that's what made you good at being that job so you can plug that into the next thing um but you know yeah you you know but that's tough because a lot of people got their juice 
from that thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. When I'm working in my program, I, we spend at least one week on mindset mm-hmm. because I know that there's, there's an identity shift. There's a procrastination. Mm-hmm. There, there are some habits that you have to break when you right. want to be an entrepreneur and you do a full program yeah. on mindset. Mm-hmm. So, so if I compare my one week to your full process, <laughs> if you could leave our, our listeners with what they can actually do within that first session that you work with them, what are some things that you would do in your first week? Well, I start all my athletes with the same step and it's awareness. Um, just right now, like as you're listening to this podcast, okay, or watching this, wherever you're in, in um, what's the word, digesting it on, mm-hmm. um, I would recommend just what are you aware of, right? Like, so me and you, I'm aware that I'm talking to Ariel, I'm aware there's a mic here, I'm aware there's a camera there, you know, so on and so forth. So those are external things. Then mm-hmm. what am I aware internally? Right. I'm aware that feeling a little tired today. I'm aware that I'm full because you and I had a beautiful lunch, you know, so stuff like that. So and then emotionally, what am I aware of? And then, you know, you can go deeper. Right. So awareness, because all change starts with awareness. You can't change what you're not aware of. So it's like, you know, I want to make a change. Well, you got to become more aware of what's happening. What kind of thoughts are going through your head on a regular basis? So definitely I would first start with awareness. Um, Then I would. Once I become aware of what's going on, my habits, my patterns, my thoughts, those type of things, then I would enact a plan or I kind of like what he said. And I mean, we talk about this because it is about making a rock solid identity in my course. But I think it is once you identify your habits and patterns, what does a person who doesn't have those habits and patterns look like? So... Todd Herman, he's a, I don't know what is, I guess, he used to be a peak performance coach, but anyway, he talks about creating an alter ego and I'm big into superheroes. So I think the real secret identity is that we don't know that we're super. So, you know, because technically the secret identity was masking the person that was the superhero um, as the regular Joe. But the thing is, is that's what it is. We're all superheroes walking around as thinking we're Clark Kent, though. That's the only thing. So the difference is Superman knew he was Clark Kent. He knew he was Superman when he was Clark Kent. So the difference is we just have to learn. But <laughs> I'm like trying not to get out of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. So I, all that to say is I would erect an, a, a persona or an identity that supports what you want to enact in your life. And then the last thing I would do is just start working on how you talk to yourself and how what you talk about to others. Those are the three main tenets. I mean, there's limiting beliefs. There's a lot of other pieces in there. But um, I think if I could just give three things, it would be awareness, become aware, you know, and then apply that to your habits and patterns and then think about your self-talk and like, how are you? And if you just change those three things in small ways, that could be huge. Like just I'm not somebody who loves to do dishes, but after reading Atomic Habits, I decided I'm someone who loves to do dishes. And now it's like, okay, my commitment is to make sure that sink doesn't have any dishes in it. But why do the dishes pile up? Because I'm a person who doesn't love to do dishes. And because I'm attached to that identity, Mm. then I get frustrated by the dishes in the sink. And it's like, but I'm not willing to do anything about it because I don't want to do them. So, but once I say, okay, well, what if I'm a person who always makes sure they're done? Then it's like, it's small little steps I have to take along the week that make, now I don't have to do the 25, 30 minute of cleaning out the sink because it's always clean. So, yeah, you have taken us through a nice 
nice journey. Even though you feel like you've been all over the place, we literally have followed you from right out of college into um, inter, inter enterprise <laughs> up the corporate ladder. All the way over to your passion, got a chance to change your identity twice to really come full fledged in, in, in a non strategic way, as far as we know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all part of my plan. <laughs> and really, truly land in a place where you sound like you feel more whole. You sound mm-hmm. like you have hit sure. a place where it, it aligns to who you feel like you are on the inside. And so I'm just curious if you would leave us with any like, The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now, let's get back to the episode. There's someone right now who is either still in corporate and has never tapped into their passion or just has an inkling of something they might be interested in and they have no clue what it looks like to be whole on the other side. What would be that one thing that you would help them understand to get them along the journey? Well, what came to me is Michelangelo or Leonardo, whoever put David in the rock, I can't remember, took David out of the rock. Um, allegedly, when he saw the rock, he said he saw the, 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 the sculpture, the sculpture, sculpture inside. So all that to say is that this situation in corporate and all of my situations led me to be good at what I'm doing now. And so it's just a sharpening or chipping away of these things. So find the aspect of your job that you really like and that your talents and natural passions or, you know, leanings are well suited for. And then know that somehow this is developing or preparing you for the next thing, even if you don't know what that thing is, Mm -hmm. because there isn't a thing that you could do that you wouldn't be able to take with you because the one thing they can't take from you, they can take your salary, they can take your title, but they sort of like the Dr. Dre thing. You can have all that because you can't take this. (laughs) I'm sorry for you guys. I'm clapping in your ears. (laughs) But you just gave us a really high note to head out on. I swear. And one thing I, I don't, I haven't shared on this show just yet is just the philosophy behind the work and play podcast is to talk to people about their career journeys, their life transitions and self actualization. And your story literally hit all <laughs> three topics and your story is amazing. So thank you again, Bryn, thank for you. joining us. Thank you guys for listening. And if you have not done those three things, play, replay this. Write it down and do your work because I highly suggest, um, I, I highly recommend that this be something that you do if you're interested in leaving corporate America. But until next time, I will see you guys later. Peace out. Talk to you soon. <laughs>